Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday night, 13th of January. Um, it's just past eight o'clock and we're looking for a big show tonight, episode 20. Once again, who would have thought episode 20? But it's a great number um, and we'll ask our special guest who his favourite number 20 is for the Tigers too. It, this might uh, might be might be challenging, challenging question, but just to find out who, uh, who's got another number 20, Glenn. Who's your favourite number 20, mate? Number 20? God. Ooh. I, can't, I can't think of a 20 off the top of my head. That's poor. Oh, there you go. That's not a good start. Let's no. bring on Alan Lovey and see if you've got one, Lovey. Tony Bahaja yeah. straight away. There you go. <laughs> You're a disgrace. I'm going, I'm going pretty average at the Demons and we'll go with Matt Phoebe. Oh. Didn't get a lot right. of games. Didn't get yeah, a lot of games. He was all right. I said. Steve was Yeah, Steve got the tips. Steve got the tips, got the mullet, and obviously got the games. So Matt was very injury-ridden, fair to say. But uh, we haven't had too many 20s since then. Daniel Ward's another one, retired early, concussions. So we haven't had too many go through the demons. Well, the last one I remember yeah. initially is Jackson Merritt. Well, so he was Listen, I'm uh, brother. Yeah, brother of Zach, so Boz. But... Um, 20 is actually a tough number. I mean, you think of Jeff Southby. Uh, and then done. That's yeah. It. I wanna, it's not one of the most picked numbers. That's uh, most famous mm-hmm. numbers anyway. That's for sure. I'm sure someone's going to stump us and say, mate, what about so-and-so? <laughs> and he's an absolute Brownlow medalist. So let's let's right. leave that one. Let's have a quick uh, two-second recap on last week's guest, Wolfie. Thoughts, guys? What a great segment that was. Mate, we've had some great guests on, absolute great guests, but just uh, his eclectic music taste and knowledge was amazing. Mm. Amazing. Yep, superstar. Um, yeah, well, I, I, so many bands, eh? How many bands has he been in? Yeah. And still in. <laughs> still in. He's just so well-grounded too, though. Like, he's not a not a big head. He's, in actual fact, he's a bit too humble, I would have thought. He's, uh, he's quite... Uh, He's just one of us, which is the best part about him, I think. So, yeah, uh, it was uh, it, it was awesome. Some of the stories he came out with, and especially the backstage stuff, was pretty funny. So, uh, it was yeah, good it man. Was, was very funny. I sent him a, I sent him a quick little text the next day, just saying, "Mate, great to have you on. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic." And he was appreciative of me and you guys having having him on, mm. which is fantastic. Yep. I thought he was great. Yeah, superstar, no doubt. Um, now, episode 20, it calls for a special guest, um, a, a, fav, a, a I wouldn't say famous guest on our, and from our behalf, but definitely a special um, favourite son of this show, so to speak, <laughs> at the moment. Um, Eddie, we've, we've uh, had Eddie on twice um, with, his, with the Tigers' revelry. Um, Remember, remember when we first got Eddie on? I, I threw it out to Eddie of who, who one of the most passionate Tigers fans, and and he put his hand up straight away and said, "Mate, I'll help you out." So it was much appreciated. And then we put together a few of his mates, um, including a Geelong mate of ours, and, and honestly, it was one of the funniest, funniest uh, shows we put together. Um, 
in between technical difficulties, uh, people coming on and off camera, it was, mate, we had a ball and it was, it was great to connect so many people that didn't know each other um, from our end, knowing those guys. So it was, uh, mate, all hats off and to, to great premiers and um, hopefully we can all experience that one day again. Mm. What do you think, Lovey? Yeah, I look, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the, the podcast we do the week before the GF. And depending on which teams are in that, you get a cast of, well, not a thousand, but you get a dozen people on there just absolutely spitballing what they think and what the others are thinking. I reckon that'll be one of the better podcasts you'll see. But um, yeah, actually, it's funny. I went to work today. First time I went back into the city for about nine months. And uh, one of the first questions was asked to me, it was that, uh, so who do you think is going to win the premiership this year? And it's it's great. It's fantastic to get that conversation going so early. So um, I've, I've, at the moment, I've gone a top six, middle six, bottom six, and I'm just leaving it at that. Right. Well, we might review that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Sounds like a sounds like a good challenge. Cuz, how's your week started? Three days in. Good. Now, good start. Good start to the week. Obviously, I've been obviously starting a new job. Early December, I've been back in the office the whole period, but it's they're slowly <clears throat> introducing more people into the office, so which is good. But it's um, it's it's funny still because there's still a bit of I think a lot of people are doing the right thing with the mask wearing and that sort of stuff. But you still, I go for a little walk at lunchtime just around sort of Hawthorne East and that. There's still that unsureness with a few people. Like we've got an, obviously a mask on in our office, but as soon as you go out into a, I suppose a safer area. People whip them, whip them off straight away. So there's still that uncertainty and un, unsureness of what what to go, what's going, what's going to happen going forward. Yep, yeah, yep, definitely. It's um, look, we're at what are we at? Seven, seven days at the moment. Let's keep it. Um, we will play uh, COVID Lotto, and maybe maybe on next week's show we'll find out what number we're at. Hopefully we've we're at. 15 or something like that or 14 and we'll find out who our greatest number 14 is whatever number we end up with so let's let's uh keep that one up at the back of your sleeve as well but let's um let's talk about quickly our next guest obviously i pinned you guys to find your favorite tea and put it on um we'll talk talk about that with uh with Eddie um in a little while but Look, I've the way I met, came across and met Eddie um, was through the design side of things, um, and being a graphic designer originally himself, Eddie, um, I ended up uh, following a lot of his work that he'd done with a magazine called T World, um, and that mate, that magazine speaks for itself. Or book, he's done a few editions of that now, so we'll talk about that one again shortly, but. Um, I want to play a little video that goes for about three minutes, just a little intro of just some of the some of the um, artists and um, people you'll see that Eddie's worked with recently. So, well, not so recently in some of these, but um, some of these before they were before they were big time artists too. So I'll play this now. How good is that, guys? Fantastic, isn't it? Just shows his arsenal of talent, really, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, I'm sure there's someone else to credit in amongst all that. I'm sure it's not all just Eddie's work, but let's bring on the man. How are you, Eddie? Welcome back, mate. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Eddie. How are you guys? Happy New Year. Yeah, Eddie, happy New Year, mate. Thank you. 
Eddie, just tell us a little bit about um, just that little video trailer we played there. Um, some amazing animations. Um, who put that together? So that was a company from Ballarat uh, uh, called Mass Motion. Um, they put it together for a project or exhibition I had over in New Zealand in Christchurch in 2015. So that's uh, quite a quite a while ago. It was, it was pretty funny seeing all of the different brands and the relevance of some and not so much, <laughs> not uh, not relevance on others. So it's always hard to predict um, um, who, who's going to make it and who's not and things like that. Yeah, mass, a great diversity in some of that and some incredible art, which we'll talk through um, along the way here. But uh, once again, mate, thanks for coming on. We... We knew you were so much more than a Tigers fan, and I, I said that to the guys. Um, so let's just touch on once again um, how good that premiership was, uh, the unexpected premiership, I guess. It um, it is a sin for in the art world to even barrack for a, a football club. So I'm sure uh, a lot of my friends are cringing out there. <laughs> um, they follow football, but like um, I'm a mad Richmond supporter, always have been. Uh, it was it was great. I'm still celebrating. Number twenty, by the way, was Ivan Soldo, <laughs> which was uh, kind, right. kind of funny. No, I didn't didn't make it. <laughs> I was thinking more Jimmy Jess actually, but anyway, yeah, Jimmy Jess, Jimmy Jess, the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell a little, tell us a little bit about what's happening with you, Eddie. Um, I'm not really sure, mate. You, you're so diverse. I'm not really sure where to kick this off or begin. Um, yeah. But happy to uh, happy to sort of take this to wherever you think we we should start your process or journey. Yeah, sure. Like my background is art direction uh, and curation. I ran um, and was the creative director and partner of a design agency for 13 years. By night, I used to do T World, so I started T World in late 2005 and it came out in 2000, the middle of 2006, which makes it um, 15 years old this year. Um, I don't do publications normally, like uh, in terms of, I don't release one um, every year. Like uh, I like actually think that with print, you need to um, do stuff that has relevance. And I've been working away on an issue. I haven't done one for a while now um and i guess from uh you know i've got a passion for publications uh i always have i, I come from that print world and i know that all of that's changing uh and i think it's great i think the speed of the amount of content we've got uh these days is incredible uh but i'm always a fan of tangible products like i still love clearly books and uh, magazines and going to shops as opposed to buying online and I guess that's what I'm always going to try to put uh, into the work that I do and also uh, with the clients that I deal with so my I, I do a cross-section of stuff so really art direction and design I run a small design studio here in Melbourne Australia and I've got a small team of four people uh, and we've got a designer finished artist produ um, slash production and um, uh, myself from a creative direction point of view. And we also look after uh, several artists. So I've uh, been representing two artists in particular 
one for five years and, a lot, um, and another for four years, and that's something I've really enjoyed. I love um, um, being able to assist or being part of uh, their individual journeys. I think that they've become superstars in their own right. And obviously I've got a huge passion for exhibitions as well. So exhibitions sort of comes down to the idea of publications as well. It's a tangible thing. You go into it and explore it. I just um, went to the NUV um, a few days ago and there's nothing like seeing tangible things. So I guess um, all the stuff that I do creatively um, results in tangible ideas. Yeah, fantastic. Let's kick it off with uh, with this particular image. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's my balcony, <laughs> and uh, that's a shot that uh, a photographer friend of mine took uh, by the name of Holly Hawkins. And I've got a ridiculously large balcony. Uh, I, I was very lucky to come across this uh, apartment that I live in, and I moved back into the CBD two years ago, and. I've been here for 20 years. I was out in what's only for a short stint and I've, I've really loved being uh, back in the city. Uh, there's a lot of work to do in the city now because of COVID, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I've, I've always been more of an urban, urban person, uh, a city person, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty hard not to be inspired looking at that view every night. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing because I've lived in different areas of the CBD and uh, that sh uh, particular shot is more on the corner, so it's diagonally opposite um, the State Library. It's uh, just above the uh, the old cop shop uh, where the Russell Street bombings were. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I was, trying to, I was trying to get the topography and, we, and, and yeah, okay. Yeah, I got it now. Yep. <laughs> It is amazing because a lot of those buildings that you can see in that shot uh, haven't um, have just come out like more to the right side have um, been created in the last eight years. Yeah. Like it's incredible, and I I definitely see if you can see Melbourne Central um, towards the middle there, um, that, the cone. Um, I definitely think that that's one of the busiest areas of um, the CBD, or was one of the busiest areas of the CBD with the State Library there, Melbourne Central, and um, RMIT opposite. I actually read that RMIT takes up 10% of the CBD um, circuit, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah, sure is. Sure is. They seem to be seem to have little signs on a lot of buildings, that's for sure. So there's, uh, there's money in education, mate, for sure. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's move on to one of these gallery shots. Um, kick us off with this one. It's a great photography. Uh, so the, yeah, um, the, this um, series of photography um, was and is for an unreleased issue of T-World, all about Los Angeles. And we showed these uh, about a year and a half ago, I believe, two years ago, I believe, um, at the first Ego Expo run by uh, Melissa Yu. And that was over in Docklands. But basically, they're portraits of... I, I, I like traveling. In fact, I love traveling and I love uh, meeting individual people and seeing where their brand stories go. So I've worked with Nicole uh, for quite a long time and she's been um, brilliant um, to document most of the T-World portraits um, that you've seen. Are they all Nicole's shots? All of those shots are, yes. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, she's an incredible yeah. photographer. I know she... That came, 
that, that came from a few, uh, a few trips to LA. It's amazing. Like um, I did a New York issue and I was lucky enough to stay there for six months. Like, and it was great because I was meant to be having a bit of a break. Like I'm a big believer that whilst I work like crazy hours and uh, all the time, like I'm always working, I also love to have a bit of time off. So I've really set myself a goal to have a bit of time off every decade. Uh, and in 2010, I did that because I just wrapped up and finished a 13 year stint at a design agency. I went to New York, one of the most ambitious cities in the world, and I couldn't help myself but to put together uh, an edition of um, New York brands, artists and designers. And I, like, I invited Nicole over there and we had um, three, two or three weeks to actually document uh, the, these different people. Like I um, set it up beforehand and we just went from one shoot to another. The ones in LA, the ones that you just saw before, um, they were done over a series of uh, um, travel stints. But who doesn't love traveling? <laughs> so yeah, it was it was great. Like Nicole was really the person that got me hooked on LA. Like I love uh, I love New York. Um, I really like LA, and I think that there's so much to LA that if you're not from there, it's just great to just explore beyond what you think LA is. It's kind of like any city, but uh, I guess the thing I'm gravitated towards is ambitious cities, and I guess that's what I like about New York. Yeah, awesome. And one of my absolute favourite coffee table books, mate, is this one, uh, your Tea World special, um, featuring yep. so many artists. Um, you know, some of, some of this art is just uh, incredible. So it's a... It's an absolute winner. Uh, this one, I know it's it's a few years old now. Um, it's been uh, it's, how many years? It's talking? amazingly, amazingly ten years old. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. we're, I'm, I'm getting old, <laughs> and uh, that was that was fantastic to do. Uh, I I loved every moment of that, and it was really uh, difficult to do as well. Like uh, piecing everything together. You're an outsider. You're doing um, trying to document a city that. I'm sure a lot of people in New York um, um, would want to do as well, but I guess that's what I created T World for. It's a self-initiated project, and I, I really rate people who do their own self-initiated projects. And whether it's successful or whether it's not successful, I really think that it's um, it shows about the lengths that people will go to. It also makes you understand what goes into everything, like uh, you know you've got to earn money from this kind of stuff. So it's just one of those things where you really um, have to hit the ground running and um, see where it takes you. And I've been fortunate that T-World's taken me to um, locations that I've never even dreamt of going. <laughs> yeah, and also um, not only that, but also being associated with, with different things and different brands. Um, and just to touch on one of the, one of the biggest um, potentially brands uh, in, in the world right now is is and has been for a long time is Star Wars. Um, one obviously yeah. one of my one of my massive uh, loves. Um, and just behind me features one of these images from Reese Cooper. Um, there was a friend yeah. of mine who worked with us for a little while as in the graphic graphic design phase. So just so great to see Reese uh, featured in one of your t-shirts there. So just tell us a little bit about that exhibition. Yeah, that was. Um, that was put together uh, through a 
label called Radio Velvet and predominantly a person called Angus Kingsmill. Angus used to be, uh, he used to run uh, Mambo in Australia. So that's where I met uh, Angus. And I think that's something to be said is that uh, a lot of the people that I've met or I work with or I do, they've been, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, like uh, you meet people along the way and um, yeah, you work with um, some and um, it, it's really great. So the association with Angus is that we've been working together uh, for a few years on Radio Velvet Project. We've um, combined to do a Sesame Street project for the 50th year exhibition and um, obviously the Star Wars stuff, which was um, really great. As a kid, like grew up with um, heroes of mine, Jim Hansen, George Lucas, people like that. I think that, that um, they're the kind of things that um, are kind of missing in today's uh, creativity, like particularly someone like Jim Henson. I'm a huge uh, Sesame Street fan. Um, I guess that's where it all started. It's just so creative and it's um, so, um, uh, yeah, it's so, like, it's such a good uh, thing to do. Like, obviously, friend, friends of mine, <laughs> Cookie Monster and Elmo. <laughs> now, yeah, great. looking at that photo there, Eddie, and obviously we all, we all grew up watching Sesame Street and the Muppets and what, what an incredibly, amazingly talented man Jim Henson and the puppeteers and those people that worked with him were. But I always, I always ask the question is what – remember Oscar um, – no, hang on. Who was the Grover, the blue guy of Sesame Street? Yeah. Now, when, yep. when I had children and Elmo came along and everyone had to get a tickle me Elmo, I felt so sorry for Grover because to me – <laughs> Elmer Grover, different colour, and a and, and a terrible yeah. laugh. Now my children, yeah, yeah, but I still feel a bit sorry for Grover. Grover's cool, like Grover's in the um in the background now. He was always cool. You don't have to say you're cool to be cool. Uh, and I think that um I did a uh, an edition of T World, which was a cool kids issue, and that's how I was able to get. Uh, onto the center Sesame Street and um, I put together a presentation and a pitch and uh, I um, cre um, curated a, um, a series of t-shirts and then 10 years later I stuck around to do the 50th um, anniversary as well and I, know, I remember when I was on set of Sesame Street I did uh, four um, limited edition covers of that particular T-World and I didn't do Elmo <laughs> and when I was on set like if you stay within a 20 meter radius uh, of the actual set where the cameras are and things like that the puppeteers actually have to speak to you in there in as puppets because uh, Jim Henson taught them that that's how you really react to human mannerism and Elmo came up to me and said why why he wasn't on the cover of T-World <laughs> and uh, obviously I, la I laugh a lot and um, it was, I, like, I was just laughing, uh, laughing a lot and uh, it was, I just said to uh, Elmo that it, um, there's such a thing as being too popular <laughs> and um, I wanted to go for more of the characters so I went for um, the Count who's the coolest oh. and went for, uh, funnily enough, oh. Oh. Grover. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I, I went for Bert because I think Bert's always, you know, he's, he's very upset most of the time, so I thought he'd give it a bit of limelight. And obviously uh, Oscar, so Oscar was great. I, like, Oscar is um, um, the puppeteer um, who 
um, originated Oscar and was Oscar for a very long time, for nearly 39 seasons, was a guy that I met through this whole um, thing, Carol Spinney, uh, and that's him now. Unfortunately, he passed away last year, but he um, was Oscar for, his, uh, for the entire lifetime of Oscar up until last year. And uh, there's been like, it's, it's kind of a funny thing to explain, but there's like interchange. <laughs> so there's puppeteers ready to take over the realm. And I just imagine the interchange guy from, from Oscar going, when when this guy go? <laughs> 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 <I'm back to laughs> it is incredible. Like um, Carol Spinney's, uh, um was an amazing person. Like he was so generous with his time. And when uh, we were on set, he said, "Do you want to get some funny photos?" And we did. We got uh, like hilarious photos. Like I got one photo where um, he invited me into. Oscar's trash can, which no one goes to, so yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, uh, so it was it was pretty funny to to see all of that stuff. Big Bird Nest, like all the stuff. It's the cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So much better than Humphrey's set. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My first ever T-shirt. Mum told me I, I, as part of the prep for tonight. My mum told me my first ever T-shirt. I was two years old, and. Um, with a with a with whatever it was on it, and apparently I used to react every time animal came on to smash the drums around on the Muppets. So mum uh, mum went out and got me a uh, t-shirt with uh, animal on it, and uh, I had that for about two or three years. Absolutely loved him. I thought he wow. was the best out of the whole lot until I learned yep. what Stella Waldorf represented, and I thought they've got it. Everyone else is a fool except those two. It's great. But yeah, animal was the one. <laughs> he was the one. Yeah, I feel uh, the older that we all get, yeah, I feel the older yeah. we all get, like we have these moments which remind you of uh, some of these characters. Like the older you get as a guy, like you do feel like you're the two old guys in the balcony. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how, how good were Waldorf and Sullivan? How, how, how good were they? <laughs> Just, just I, know, I haven't seen a duo yeah. like that since HG. <laughs> HG and Nelson, like, uh, haven't seen a duo like that since then. Yeah. Yep. You're, uh, really you're lucky enough to meet the great great man too. When was this? I did, yeah. Uh, he was the uh, compare or the person that opened the very first Mambo exhibition, which was a retrospective of 30 years. It was called... Mambo, 30 Years of Shelf Indulgence. Uh, I love that the title. It was created by uh, a copywriter and the original art director of Mambo, Wayne Golding, and he was a godsend to the project itself because um, he really didn't have to look that far. He just opened up his garage. He had kept uh, a lifetime of Mambo work, and it was incredible to see. Like, um, I, didn't, I didn't actually wear... Um, Mambo t-shirts when I was younger but uh, I just know how significant it is like one of the things that I love about t-shirt graphics is the art and the artist and I think that uh, Mambo has gone where no brand really has before and it, like it may not be the brand it is now but like coming up in the 90s um, and the late 80s as well it was an incredibly controversial and very cheeky brand, which uh, I think it's one of the best Australian brands ever. Hmm. 
Yeah, Mum was never getting me a t-shirt with that dog farting a uh, tune. No chance. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got one of those tees. Um, one of the first things I bought, I actually bought one of those t-shirts, the Pooh Shooter tee. And uh, <laughs> mate, it's just an absolute ripper. Um, yeah. It was such a such an iconic uh, thing from Ambo. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely uh, been some iconic um, work by um, all of the artists that uh, were incorporated. Like, it wasn't just um, Richard Allen work and Reg Mombasa. There was uh, a whole bunch of different artists that were involved with um, that brand, which made it such a, a unique voice in Australian culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, unique, unique voices. Um, <laughs> please explain. <laughs> From the same exhibition, right? It is. It is. It's from the, uh, um, what is it, sorry. It's from the uh, Newcastle uh, show. So what happened was that uh, Mambo was, uh, like, we uh, we pitched the concept to the NGV and uh, we were able to get the project into the NGV, which was incredible. And... Then it went on to go to Ambush Gallery in Sydney and then uh, the Newcastle Art Gallery guys came and did a visit and thought it would be appropriate for the um, Newcastle Art Gallery. So it was it was quite amazing. I Like, in terms of repeating exhibitions, I actually thought if, you know, people were going to go to Sydney, they, they would have gone to Sydney if you live in Newcastle. I, I could not tell you how successful that Newcastle show was. Like... On opening night, there was over 5,000 people uh, there ready to get in, and it was just incredible. Like, it wasn't mm. a massive event that Red Bombassa was playing out the front, <laughs> but, like, it was such an incredible um, um, show. That was probably my favourite out of the three um, because from, a um, like, understanding Newcastle, like, it just is the perfect brand for somewhere like Newcastle. It's got the cars. It's got the... Um, the humour, it's got the beach, it's got um, art. So, yeah, it was it was really great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and another iconic brand worked with, the Marvel yep. crew. Yeah, so this is through... Um, yeah, this is through Disney. Actually, not many people have actually seen this particular uh, exhibition because Marvel Stadium's been closed, but the Marvel uh, exhibition, Journey of Heroes, was first shown at Melbourne Central. So... Uh, a, a, an exhibition space was created behind the shot tower and uh, Disney loved it so much that they uh, wanted to display it um, at Marvel Stadium. So it was made up of 80 years. It was the 80th anniversary of Marvel. So we had uh, an artist uh, um, create one for each decade um, over the 80 years, um, one of the comic covers. So I think the comic covers were definitely iconic to people loving all of these kind of characters. So it was good, even though, you know, obviously the movies have become um, major box office hits. Yeah, definitely. And in that same space, um, you did a Disney, oh, wow. uh, this was the, the Mickey Mickey Mouse version, right? And it was a whole stack of other characters you'd included. Yeah. This, this was great. Yeah. Upstairs at that same space. Yeah, this was this was an incredibly difficult project to put together, but the results were really great. I was very pleased with it. The uh, whole project from start to finish was done within four weeks. That means that, you know, we got uh, 
the um, job to do it, you know, um, um, got um, um, the budget to actually create the space and then to engage 90 artists over. Um, so that was an idea that um, I ran with and wanted to execute, but a lot of people were saying it was very difficult to actually do. But I guess it comes down to what I was saying before. It was like The Wizard of Oz, like, a lot of that show was pe were people that I've met along the way, like not just within Australia, Melbourne and Sydney, Perth, Brisbane, um, Hobart, Adelaide, um, but also um, in, you know, Europe and um, the States. So um, it was really great. Like, um, you know, when Australia clocked off, we had American artists doing stuff, which is, <laughs> it was around the world. <laughs> yeah, it's great. No, it's absolutely great. And testament to... Uh to be able to pull that off, mate. It was a real challenge and one yeah, that uh, I don't know too many other people that could have pulled that off, mate, so well done. Um, I just want to touch on two more exhibitions before we uh, we move into one of our favourite subjects. Um, let's touch on this one, the Mr. Mr. Crew. Mr. Oh, wow. so, Are they all misters? Or was there any? There's, I see a little miss in there. Yeah, there, so there was. it was Mr. Man and Little Miss, like, um, which is obviously... Um, a UK uh, license, but I grew up with these books. I, I love these books. Like my favorite character was Mr. Bump and um, I love Mr. Strong. Um, and yeah, I think it was, I think it was really great. Like uh, the series was started because the son of Roger Hargraves um, actually asked his dad what a tickle looked like. So his dad drew Mr. Tickle and uh, that, basically started a whole series and I think to date they've done 48 characters and uh, funnily enough like I know when that was done it was done five years ago because this year is the 50th anniversary of Mr. Man and that was done for a project with um, Ambush Gallery and Vivid Sydney and uh, yeah it was a, a, an exhibition at um, Darling uh, Quarter so I incorporated yeah. Sorry, mate, keep going. Oh, I incorporated, um, so there were 16 artists involved. So, um, yeah, they got to basically play with the, the, the license and the character itself. I tried to match each um, uh, character to the artist as closely as possible. I, I think, I, like, I guess that's what I've been trying to do for a lot of the shows. Like, it's not always possible to get it exactly right. But, you know, as an example, like, I, I always wanted to see the insides of Mr. Strong, seeing the skull. <laughs> so um, um, Ben Brown was the uh, the best person to uh, to do that. And even in the background there, you can see Eamon Donnelly. So Eamon's like um, really well known for his milk bar book that he's done. And so you've got Mr. Greedy, um, you know, with a whole bunch of milk bar products. Um, uh, Gemma Corral, who's a superstar, um, on Instagram, um, we were able to get her to do Little Miss Scatterbrain, and you know she did her uh, herself as a um, a cat lady, which was um, hilarious. And in in the background, you can see um, Megs, who uh, is an artist from Melbourne, from Everfresh, and uh, he got Mr. Messy because he's always creating a mess, and uh, he's got Mr. Messy holding up a roller brush. Yeah, what's fantastic. the link? What's the link between Mr. Tickle and Evil Knievel? <laughs> that was just Greg. Uh, Greg Strait was uh, from New Zealand and he just wanted to put uh, Miss, um, Mr. Tickle in a way that um, no one else had seen him in. Um, he just combined two, two passions of his, um, 
Um, obviously, Evil Knievel, he's, he's into that kind of aesthetic. So I thought that was cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's well done. And the last exhibition, or not the, the last, but one of the last I want to talk about is the Screaming Hand, the famous Screaming Hand. It's yeah. been, is it 40 years? It is, oh, geez, you got me here. Wait a second. It's 15, it's 35 years. This is the 30th anniversary. Um, so what okay. you're seeing, so it's it's 36 because it's, um, we've now gone into 2021. <laughs> um, but I was fortunate enough to be at the original um, Screaming Hand show in LA um, where you've got artists like OG Slick involved, obviously Jim Phillips and Jimbo, uh, and it was really great. And um, when um, I got um, back here, um, I was asked um, by the guys at Lush to um, put something together. And I worked with the um, art director there, Greg, and we just um, worked um, a way of getting different artists. And we just really wanted to up the stakes. Like something that I found with all my travels is that I genuinely feel that Australia's got some of the best talent going around. So I really wanted to do that to something that, you know, um, I may not have been a skater myself, but I was definitely inspired by Screaming Hand. And um, as a graphic, it's um, it's so memorable. And it's really difficult in this day and age to create stuff that is as memorable. I guess the things that I'm into do have that memory recall. Like um, we all know what Annie and Bert look like without even like trying to Google image of, it, of them, if that makes sense. So I, I really think that it's really difficult to create um, strong brands, and it's going to get a lot more difficult with how much we're bombarded with every day. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. And and some of these art installations you've done uh, are absolutely fantastic, mate. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to commission out a whole um, lot of work, uh, particularly at Melbourne Central for the GPT group. Um, the first one was Stephen Baker, um, who's an incredible um, artist. Um, I know him from um, when he was creating graphics for Mooks, like um, um, all those years ago. And um, he's, trans um, he's obviously evolved and um, become an artist in his own right. It's, um, it's incredible to see each of these journeys. The, the next one is Aurora Campbell. Um, so she's an emerging artist and um, I've, I, I really love her stuff. I think that wall is really great. And um yeah it's very very much to her aesthetic so it was really oh. cool this is a, a very new installation um that was put together that's um at melbourne central on the um second floor and that's by an incredible artist called lauren carney um she resides in tokyo she's originally from brisbane but basically uh it was her um her melbourne if that makes sense like there's a lot of stuff that's out of whack and you know different scale and i love this um this kind of um illustration it's very time consuming but um it was um it's super cool to see the end results and uh yeah there's lots of inside jokes in there as well so it's always funny yeah i look forward to seeing that it's uh it's got a real simpson-esque feel about it as well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she's um she's definitely done right. really well uh, this um, is by one of the artists that I represent and uh, her name is Justine McAllister and um, she's becoming, a, uh, well, she, she has always been in my eyes, um, a superstar and I just really love uh, her ambition and the way she's, you know, merging patterns and uh, 
uh, illustration and graphics um, into uh, murals, but also how she's evolving her art practice. Like you'll be seeing up and coming the way she evolves her um, art world. So that was an area of Melbourne Central that was kind of a very dark area um, and very few people were sitting in that area. So things like these murals are great because um, it's become an area where people feel comfortable sitting or, um, you know, taking it all in. And it's become a thing. So I think that's a really important thing to say is that there are um, economical, you know, things to associate to these art projects, which is, um, yeah, which is which is really exciting. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, and one, one last one here. I, I love this one, actually. Like, it um, was the most difficult installation ever because it took about eight guys to take in that um, that um, sheet of glass, which is about three metres by three metres, um, which is crazy in itself because I didn't want a um, the glass to be split in half and I didn't want to see a line. So I'm personally very detailed, but this is by um, an artist that we've mentioned before. Um, um, his name's Megs, and um, this is the kind of work that he's been um, putting out of late. And, yeah, it's, it's really great. Like, it's really great to see that um, in position as well. Absolutely. And I love this one. Uh, this is by an, another artist I represent, um, and there's no more ambitious artist that I know than uh, George Rose at the moment. She um, uh, did this for a conference, um, an all-women's conference called Curvy, which has been um, around since um, probably about the same time as uh, T-World, and it's run by um, Rob Bergen, and um, he does an incredible job to... Um, um, keep the brand evolving and going. And, uh, yeah, this was done at the old Claire Hotel and um, um, put together and installed by um, um, what was Arteria and now the Milk Bar guys. Like, it was really, um, really a fun project. And, actually, if it wasn't for that project, we wouldn't have found the um, the Shepherd Ferry exhibition space either, which um, I don't know if you've got shots of that, but um, we did a project just across the road and it was only um, the fact that we were looking into win um um, to other places that we found those destinations, which was good. This this was a really great room to put together. Absolutely, massively painful to to source, but a lot of this work, um, a lot of it, not all of it, um, had been unseen by the public. And these are sketches, and I call this the like the doodle room for um, um, for Mambo. This was at the NGV, and I kind of like the idea of seeing what you can't see. I, I like the idea of knowing what was rejected as well as what was approved. And um, as much as the um, iconic brand Mambo um, was and is, like um, I just wanted to see what didn't make the cut. <laughs> so that's what that room was dedicated to. And that was part of the 30 year uh, project for um, uh, Mambo. Yeah, it's so much, so much more than just art. You know, when you talk about installations and hopefully permanent installations in a lot of respect, especially this, something like this, like um, unbelievable in a in a warehouse loft space. Um, yeah, so love it. Yeah, my um, that was um, we were fortunate enough to um, have uh, jo Joshy D and Mike Giant from um, Rebel Eight. They've um, gone their separate ways now, but um, when Mike was in Melbourne. Um, he put this together amazingly 
with um, a black marker. That's actually all done by hand and by a black marker. And he didn't come in with any drafts or ideas. He um, just started drawing. And uh, it's really great. Like, we were able to interview him um, and, you know, support, speak about, you know, where his inspirations come from. And he's, um, like, he is, um, inspirations come from um, 19th century illustration. And I think you can see that when you look into his work. But he's um, an incredible um, illustrator, artist, like, um, and um, um, tattooist. Yep. And speaking of uh, incredible murals, I absolutely one of a, a brand that I've always loved as a kid and, and love this art art from Shepherd Ferry with uh, with Obey. Um, tell us a little bit about how this came about. Yeah, this was a very uh, big project. I, I love um, thinking big, uh, but after the success of Mike Giant and Joshy D, um, um, I was asked by Jess Scully who. Um, was at Vivid to up the ante a bit. And I thought there was no um, bigger guy in the industry that um, would be suitable for a project like Vivid than Shepherd Ferry. And uh, I guess like um, um, the mission was on. It took three years to actually get him over, which was um, which was great, but, you know, um, persisting. And then um, after we had secured him, I was able to get uh, the guys at Ambush um, to assist and work... Um, work with myself and obviously Vivid and Destination New South Wales um, to put together um, this mural, which, you know, largely responsible um, and credit goes to Ambush for um, finding the space. And then we put two exhibitions together and, um, yeah, it was just incredible. This is a prime example, though, like um, um, a lot of the funding from this came from a real estate agent and the great thing about um, that is that they were... Um, you know, that, that they saw the merit in getting someone like Shepard to paint such a prominent wall. And, yeah, like um, Nike has basically put their flagship store at the bottom of that, which um, shows how value um, or valued these artists and art um, is from a, um, you know, commercial sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I hope it... Uh, it was very it difficult paid. to explain. No, you did a great job. Well done. Um, I love yeah. it. The colours, yeah. colours are awesome. Yeah, I, I, just the scale of putting yeah. something together like that's just incredible. I'd love to see that stuff yeah. down on the upper ground in Flinders Street. So you go that walkway, you know, you have got the little cafe under there, and you come up and you you get to DeGraves Lane through the stairwell. But all yeah. the way through, they, they do have some art exhibitions and all the rest of it. But I think that's with respect to the people who put that stuff together. It's a bit, it's a bit dated. I, I mean, I'd love to see. Just those walls literally being brought to life because it's it's a bloody yeah. it's a horrible tunnel to walk through, <laughs> both to start the day and finish the day. It's pretty average, so it'd be great if something like that was done at Flinders Street in the in the underground there. Yeah, I think that um, there's obviously um, what is what is actually exciting about um, the current climate is that from a creative perspective, I really believe that. Um, we are all going to have to innovate and be much more creative than we've ever been. So um, opportunities like what um, you're suggesting um, um, are a possibility. And I think that that's yeah. the thing, like um, the sky's in terms of uh, what um, could be created. But I'm passionate about Melbourne. I love the city. And, yeah, it'd be great to see some um, really great, um, great art, not always by the same person either. Like I really feel that, it's good to have diversity in 
um, art and, you know, making them, like, I guess a lot of people, um, like, for example, somewhere like Melbourne Central would look at an art piece as well as a meeting place. Like, we know uh, and we understand that Flinders Street, oh, I'll meet you under the clocks. Like, everyone knows that. So it's, like, good to see some of these art projects being recognised. I'll meet you at so-and-so, do you know what I mean? Like, um, it's, a, it's a good way of thinking. Hmm. Well, one thing uh, I know we won't be doing is we won't be meeting at Rednecks, that's for sure. Who gave her those really beautiful eyes that she's got there, Eddie? <laughs> the, um, that was created by an artist called Jim Mitchell. <laughs> that was by an artist called Jim Mitchell, um, and that became a T-shirt graphic. Uh, and the, um, it was it was a collaboration between Jim Mitchell and Wayne Golding, um, and yeah. that became a T-shirt graphic for Mambo. And this is the beauty of Mambo is that basically they um, made I think over a hundred thousand dollars in profit from selling just that T-shirt, and um, they gave it to an Aboriginal um, organisation called Nystar. Like, um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it's it incredible um, to yeah. see that do that kind of thing. That's yeah, fantastic. I love it. Right. And much uh, much needed uh, as well. Like, it's good that um, art can have a political yep. yep. And just to give us all a little breather, <laughs> I want to play a little segue um, into one of our loves, which is T-shirts. And I just want to touch on um, – this was titled The Future of T-shirts, Eddie. Um, okay. Just a, a, little, a little word before, before we play this, uh, just about what it is. Uh, yeah, it's um, this was a project that this November um, were, is ten years old. Um, it was called Next: The Future of T-shirt Graphics. Uh, a lot of people that I interviewed, like you'll see what Ben Frost says, thought it was an absolutely ridiculous idea, and it is a ridiculous idea. But that's the point of whole um, T-shirt graphics is that it, I don't think any T-shirt graphic is seen to be a super serious thing unless there is a underlying political message and i like i love art i love t-shirts i love that they're portable um billboards and i love that they speak about the person like they they um encapture the uh, personality of um the individual wearing it and yeah i think it's um such a great medium i i loved it then i still love it now it was an incredibly difficult project to put together i ended up staying at the ambush gallery um, uh, with the Ambush Gallery guys um, for six months leading up to this. And uh, the whole project was put on Cockatoo Island, um, which is in the middle, the biggest island in the middle of Sydney. And uh, it was, like um, I, I was fortunate enough like um, to get the Wolverine room. So this room's actually been seen in the um, Hugh Jackman film um, where he smashes out of the glass and goes running forward. Um, that's where this um, actual, there's still parts of the movie set there. And um, it was ambitious because we had over a thousand T-shirts on display and um, we had 48 portraits and really it was about the past, present and future of uh, T-shirt graphics. All right. Let's, uh, All right. let's have a little cool. breather and, and watch this.
Pretty amazing. Sorry about that, guys. I'm not sure if you guys caught the audio. Um, we had might have had a couple of audio. Did you guys get the audio there? No, I didn't. Okay, I did. that you did. No, I did. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Some people did, some people didn't. That's a bit bizarre, but Maybe uh, hopefully. Um, apologies for that. So when we do put the video back up again, we'll try and edit that little bit back in. Um, pay homage to that because there was some great, uh, great words of uh, wisdom along that way, Eddie, and some uh, much loved um, subject. Obviously, we talk about is is t-shirts and t-shirt art. Um, a couple few years on now since that video is done. Um, what do you what do you think the the vision of t-shirts are now and um, is there such a thing as an original tea these days? I think it's really difficult to um, um, invent something from absolutely nothing. I think everything is inspired from something. Uh, what, what I am glad about when, um, if you have watched the video, I haven't watched the video, is that even looking up at the faces that appeared in that video, they're equally relevant now. And that video was shot 10 years ago, which was uh, incredible, really, like to see some of those names come up, like um, um, Ben Brown, the We Buy Your Kids guys, and uh, uh, Tony Arcabascio. It's like, um, it's, um, it's pretty pleasing when you see that kind of thing. But uh, I guess the future of T-shirt graphics is I've always been about, um, you know, I think custom T-shirts are going to be something that... Um, you know, continues to happen. I think that um, with printing methods, whether you're into screen printing, which I'm into, um, and or DTG printing, which I'm getting more convinced uh, by, um, that I think that, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's like definitely not going to be about, you know, you never, you're not going to rock up to some <laughs> like a party and um, be wearing the same T-shirt, I don't think, in the future. Like, yeah, it's 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 cool. Yeah, it sure yeah. is. Um, yeah. Your your fate. Let's tell us about your uh, tea you're wearing, uh, Lovey. Well, anything I try and wear has to have a story behind it, and um, it represents the hair I used to have. So I used to have a blonde mullet. I no longer have that. Clearly, <laughs> um, it was also it was also. So corny, but I, 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 Flash Gordon was my first superhero movie that I ever watched, and I actually got hooked on it. It was brilliant. And so then someone's 50th popped up about six years ago, and a good friend of mine, and, uh, and it was a superhero and villain's night, and I said, oh, it's got to be Flash Gordon. I didn't have the hair by then, so I went and picked out a, a mullet wig, but um, had the beige tight pants. This was this was a little bit tighter, so I was a bit fatter back then six years ago, but um i love it i love i love flash gordon i just reckon the t-shirt's simple but it you know has a bit of a message it's it's great it's quite retro for me so that's why it's my favorite great to see cars i'm going to put you on the spot give us a little bit of info about uh what you've pulled out of the closet tonight uh, that's what i'm talking about thank you very much the t-shirt <laughs> is actually not that old it dates back to when jody and the boys and i went over to wa 2019 but like lovey like moth still got a fair bit of my hair but i used to be very blonde and back in the day the sort of blokes i hung around with like when we were 15 16 17 we all thought we were pretty keen surfy sort of dudes 
the only issue was we all lived in Glen Huntley, which was really nowhere near all <laughs> the surf coat. So we all dressed <laughs> like surfers, so none of us actually surf. <laughs> so, so it was a bit of a um, yeah. Look, we'd, and we get as you do. You'd go back to, uh, to meet the ladies at the local pubs or bars as, as you did back in the day, and a lot of the DLR boys all dressed like surfers, but not many of them could surf. I think of of the of my year twelve level, I think it was about oh, eighty odd blokes, and I think only about ten could could hold could cut their cut us way through the um the ocean swells, so to speak. Yeah, it was definitely one of those, uh, like skateboarders, it was either you could do it or you could fall off. And it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. there was no, there was no room to hide in those kind of sports. Um, I, I loved the idea of being a surfer, the idea of being a skater. Just, it just didn't happen for me. But uh, as Eddie spoke about before, representative brands, you know, um, with the screaming hand, you know, that's, that's why I wanted to be a skateboarder in, in amongst yeah. that culture. Uh, and I think that's continued. Um, and being so relevant now. Um, and you're, yeah. spot on. you're spot on. I, I, I distinctly recall that hand on nearly every skateboard that my mates had at school. It was on, like on the bottom, on the bottom of the board, underneath it. And it took up most of the board. And it was just just unbelievable. Santa Cruz made a killing on that. They must have. Yeah. Sure did. And that, that iconic colour too, you know, that light yeah. blue. Yeah. My, my grandmother, I'll never forget it, like for Christmas. as no, she wasn't enough, not a skater, but she liked to think that she could make me trendy. So, so going along with the surfing theme, she bought me these pair of blue. She bought me this pair of sky blue pants with a pink t-shirt, and she goes, "Glenn, that'll look great." Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Nan. And then I wore it once the day after Christmas at her house, and then it got put away. But now we, you see people wearing blue pants and pink pants all the time. Well, it's funny because you talked about Grover before and maybe she was trying to make you look like Grover. Mate, I love Grover. I'm, look, I'm not going to place orders, <laughs> but I might have to give Eddie a call. Wouldn't mind a Grover T-shirt at all. There, there was an excellent uh, Grover T-shirt created. <laughs> yeah. He goes, all right, Grover. Yeah, I tell you, Grover's- my mum my mom had black T-shirts or white T-shirts for me where she had where she had a dash of colour when I was in primary school, and you'll love this. She had, <laughs> I she she had me dressed in corduroy pants, and it was black. She had black, blue. I had green and burgundy corduroy pants, as well as a pair of purple ones. So in grade prep through to grade three, that was what I wore along. But the t-shirts were just plain black or white. But I had those sort of cords pants. It was just the most extraordinarily offensive thing I think I've had. I've ever seen in my life from a clothing perspective, and I owned it. It was great. Um, so one thing I wanted to touch on, and, and that's just the T-shirt I'm wearing now. Eddie, tell us a little bit about this one from Radio Velvet. I just want to play a quick video um, of what this what this represented, and, and I tried to do the app just before, so I'm, I'm sure it's, it's uh, not actually working from what it was, but I just wanted to play what this T-shirt actually does and this picture does when you go to a certain app and get this, you get this. Now, to me, that's using technology uh, to a whole different level. Um, Eddie, has this been done regularly in t-shirt in the t-shirt space? 
Uh, it hasn't, but I'm sure um, it's not the first time that it's been done. But uh, it was done by an incredibly innovative artist. Uh, his name is Luca Ionescu. He runs uh, his own studio called Like Minded Studio. Uh, he's definitely been someone I've watched over the years, even through niche publishing. Uh, he created Refill Magazine, if anyone uh, remembers that. And he's always uh, been on the edge of stuff. So he's he does incredible work. The um, the company that did that with him was iJack. And, yeah, it's like uh, it's it's a fun uh, um, element to that T-shirt. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. And just touching on the love of T-shirts, Eddie, uh, give us give us the current count of T-shirts in your collection. What number are we up to? You know, your lockdown. You know, I, I I know that I'm over nine thousand. I, I don't know how much how many of, of that, but I, I have got a crazy amount of T-shirts. I have actually oh, been yeah. sifting through a lot. I gave I gave away to I gave away a bunch to. Um, charity recently so I've um, used the whole COVID experience to uh, um, cut down on stuff but I guess for me um, the t-shirts have become part of a um, exhibition thing it's part of a collection um, and it's just something that it's a time in history which um, you know I, I love and always will so yeah let's touch That's on this, my, uh, this exhibition clearly my walk-in wardrobe um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see house. if that's your wardrobe, mate. I can't wait to see your house. Yeah, the um, uh, it does show my passion for black t-shirts. <laughs> that's what that does. No, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I um clearly love black t-shirts, but these were two different projects. One of them. Uh, was at Outpost, which was in 2000, November 2011 on Cockatoo Island. And this current one um, was a similar show, but much more music, m museum in style at the Canberra Museum in Christchurch. And that was in 2015 as part of um, uh, Spectrum. Big shout out to George Shaw. He does an incredible job over in New Zealand. Awesome. And just to wrap up, Eddie, I know uh, you know we we always plan for a thirty to forty minute show and goes for an hour and a half. So we're, un we're under the hour and a half bracket. Um, yeah. But it's it was really important to to not really cut this down too much, Eddie. And uh, happy to put it up in maybe in two parts even. But um, really, thank you for your time, mate, coming on. Um, I just wanted to touch on what's the t-shirt you're wearing today, and who, which artist are we looking for? Uh, so I'm wearing a T-shirt um, by Rekka Rennie. Uh, he's a Melbourne artist, so I always try to support local where possible. Um, and obviously it's a statement, always was, always will be. I thought it was relevant for um, Australia Day coming up. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a collaboration that he did with um, um, Briggs, which was um, Adam Briggs, and uh, it's, a, it's a great um, combination. But, yeah, like... Um, uh, I, like people get the um, misconception that I get given a lot of t-shirts. I buy t-shirts sometimes, and this is one that I bought because I really liked it. Yeah, it's great. And um, maybe just a couple of artists that we should look up. And um, I know I don't want to pull favoritism necessarily to a certain artist, but just give us an, an up-and-coming artist maybe that we should look at. Someone that you've really maybe connected with recently. Oh, I represent um, George Rose and Justine McAllister. I think that both of those guys have got a, an exceptional vision. Outside of those guys, uh, 
you know, there's there's amazing. It depends on the kind of artwork that you're into. I've always been a huge fan of Travis Price. Worked with him for a long time. He's a Ballarat boy. Uh, he's he's um, been incre- incredibly inspiring over the last decade. Uh, Megs, I'd say. Like, um, I, I, it's funny because I always go on the mantra of originality, quality, and longevity. And it's always um, when you get asked questions like that, you always look back at the artists that you know, have lasted the test of time. Like, um, I think Megs is a, um, a great example of that. I think he's um, um, been evolving as an artist and continues to evolve as an artist. And obviously, Travis has done uh, an exceptional um, job as well. Like, um, so yeah, like even um, Reese Cooper, as you've got behind behind there again, like um, it's that Wizard of Oz moment where um, you, meet, um, you meet someone, obviously, um, I met him when he was um, working for another company and, um, you know, he's doing his own stuff these days and he's doing some exceptional um, limited print um, stuff. So over, overseas, I love, uh, I've always um, loved L'Amour Supreme. Um, he works or he um, works um, um, with um, in collaboration with Mishka over over there. And, um, yeah, I, I like I, – I, I'm – like I do like my design aesthetics, so I do like what Shepard's been doing um, for a long time. Again, it's really hard to remain so prolific over such a period of time. I guess that going back to the Mambo thing, I guess that's the difficulty in maintaining that kind of thing. You talk football, like, um, and you're trying to um, um, find a player that can last the test of time, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like that in the art world. It's not what you necessarily are seeing now. Um, but um, where these artists are going. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I actually, actually, Luca Ionescu is a great one too. Like, um, Luca's um, previous to that, he's designed for so many T-shirt labels that probably not a lot of people would be aware, but um, he's uh, exceptional in terms of how he's educated himself as well. Like, um, um, even through Refill magazine that he did, like, he did a... Um, great job getting people um on board that um not many people knew about like so it's always great to give um light to that so yeah like um i like i also love um you know the darkness of reg mombasa i think reg mombasa is probably the most iconic um t-shirt designer in australia yeah definitely talented music too i don't a talented musician as well very talented, yeah. He's great. He's great. Like, um, um, yeah. Like, I think I think it's um great to have a, a sense of Australia. I feel like sometimes we look at um America too much, and I think that um it's really great to uh you know celebrate what we've got locally. Mm. And I think yeah. that's gonna, I think that's yeah. going to happen more and more. Like, um. Um, it's really difficult to escape the Americanisms, but like I think that um, definitely looking into the future with a whole bunch of different things, like T-shirts really become um, uh, the, fir- the first thing that people look at. Like, um, you know, years ago it was that album cover um, and, you know, doing vinyl art and things like that. And T-shirts have become an accessible way of um, expressing yourself. And I think that it's going to continue to be. So, um, and... Just because you're obsessed about T-shirts or um, people are into T-shirts like, um, you know, Reg Mombasa, like 
I don't think I've ever seen him wear a graphic T-shirt. He's always wearing um, a dirty white T-shirt, which I think he personally loves. <laughs> um, but also it's, it's amazing how um, these particular people uh, do their own, um, have their own journeys. I, I love when people um, stick to their own identity. Hmm. Yeah, the only comment, sorry, if I, if I can just make one final comment. Go for it, It'll just be interesting to see where the T-shirts go because... COVID's now taught us that we can work from home and COVID's now changed a lot of industries as to how you can represent yourself. And um, I know for, I work at Power Shop and Power Shop uses AS as a clothing, as its clothing company. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a really good opportunity for these artists if they find the right industry as well. Um, I think you'll find a stack of businesses will start looking towards this sort of thing moving forward. Um, you know, you don't yeah. have to have the tie so much anymore. I think that'll change. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where where t-shirts can go, even in things like the business world or industry. And um, you know, I, we, we, we're on board with AS in in a big way, and we, we love what they give us. So um, yeah, I, I just think it'll be only be pretty cool if a lot of industries started getting a bit more, like you say, thinking outside the square of what they actually look like and what they want to represent themselves, and have artists help them with that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of. Um T-shirt manufacturers out there. It's certainly mm. AS have uh, led the way for the last decade, but there are other companies out there um, mm. doing um, great stuff as well. Like, um, I guess it comes and goes with um, different things. Like, what what was refreshing to see that next video after so long because I haven't actually watched it for a long time um, was uh, that those people were are still doing T-shirts, which is really uh, fantastic. Like. It's no matter where you go uh, in the industry, like uh, you come back to, you know, what you actually love. Like Luke Rionescu is a great example, like many years ago now, but he um, was the person that created the Great Gatsby credits. And um, he's essentially someone that grew up on, um, you know, T-shirt culture, which it's yeah. it's great to see where these kind of things go. So it really comes down to the artist and uh, designer and also um, innovative brands. Yep, definitely. Sure. And I know, Glenn, uh, you've got a final question for Eddie. Well, I think I may have asked Eddie the question. That's the, that's the thing. Because <laughs> he's one of our our favoured guests. <laughs> um, I may have asked you the five the dinner the dinner date question, Eddie. So you've got you're hosting a dinner party, and you can bring five people. Who are you going to bring? I, I think you have asked this, and it's probably going to be. It's probably going to be a different answer now. Um, <laughs> um, That's why I'm asking again. Well, I, I, don't, I can't remember what I said last time, but if, if I'm right, I, 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 would, I would definitely say, um, can they be dead? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, look, I'll put Jim Hansen there for sure. Um, yep. I'll, put, uh, I'll put George Lucas. Like, I really feel that George Lucas would be a very interesting um, character because of where he's come from. But from all reports from what he went through on that Star Wars, the initial Star Wars film is pretty incredible. Um, and how many, how many people didn't believe um, it would become a thing? And obviously it's become one of the world's most powerful brands. And I, I, like, I like that because uh, too many people dismiss creative ideas um, and, like, I actually love, like, this is a pastime of mine, but I actually love uh, watching Oscar speeches because it's that moment 
that you've got where you've got about less than a minute to thank all the people. And um, in, in the 1977 um, category for best costume, Star Wars ends up winning. And um, it's got like the stormtroopers and stuff like that. But all of, all of the other all of the other nominations were like quite ordinary to show how innovative George Lucas actually was. Do you know what I mean? Like um, that was in, um, hilarious. But um, 1977 is a uh, very, very interesting um, year for me because I, I am a fan and I don't care if this is embarrassing, but I'm a fan of um, um, Rocky. Um, I love um, underdog stories. So I'd, I'd put um, Sylvester. So there's three girls. So I'll have to invite two other two girls. I, I'm a huge fan of um, Pump Up the Volume, <laughs> which is a Christian Slater film from the early 90s. So I'm going to put Samantha Mathis there. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's four people. Um, and um, great list so far, mate. I'm liking it. Very eclectic. Yeah, eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> and um, hmm, who would be the final person? Uh, Jim. Jim Jess. Jim Jess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was more I was definitely a Dale Waitman fan, but yeah. you know, you know, um, um, I'm I'm not going to say Dustin Martin. Like I'm a fan of his final goal. <laughs> Um, but um, don't be too cliche. Don't be too. Yeah. Um, I don't know who the fifth person would be. Um, I guess could be my first one. I've stumped, Darren. Oh, yeah. wait a second. What are other people? I, okay, I, I know who, and I, I like I've met him before, and um, I know him, and I think um, the conversation needs to um, be more extended, but. He does come from um, the t-shirt world, but he never meant to be in the t-shirt world, and that's Sean Stussy. Ah, yeah. yep. Good. Yes. So yes. He, Good guess. Yeah, he's, um, he was always obviously passionate about, um, you know, shaping surfboards, and he's such an uh, interesting um, person. And, you know, I think that um, his experience and his knowledge um, would be um, vast. And I think that, yeah, I think that, there should be like books about him and things like that. Yeah, well, hopefully there is. Oh, I think you, you could have a whole movie about him, to be honest. Um, yeah. An absolute superstar. But uh, I'd like to wrap it up, Eddie. Thanks heaps for your time, mate. We really appreciate it. We could talk forever on t-shirts and t-shirt and artwork and things like that. But I also just want to I want to go out and we'll finish on that, and we won't come back. Is the the video that you shot about t-shirt culture within melbourne um yeah they, um the previous video um um was done by the guys at versus as well like um they um were incredible to work with they really ran with it with the um cockatoo island show um and um the one that you're about to watch um was in collaboration with uh just another and it was with a videographer called carl allison Beautiful, mate. Thanks for your time, and uh, we look forward to Eddie. catching up with you again. Thanks, Eddie. Well done, Eddie. Thanks very much. Hey. Okay. See, see, buddy. When people think of Melbourne, they think of trams, they think of coffee, they think of football. To me, it's the most underrated city for T-shirt culture in the world.
what's not to love about Melbourne? I mean, there's so much going on and like for somebody that's really immersed in the arts and being creative, it is the best place in the world. And the scene is so strong out here and people really like connect with it and get it. And, and that for me is something that inspires me with my work because it's, it's seeing people do what they do because they get such a rush and such a feeling out of it. It, it makes me happy and it makes me want to like kind of push it a bit more, you know? Because we always love t-shirts, so we just thought, let's make our own. I think t-shirts are awesome as an art form. The reason that I ever was even interested in doing them is because as a kid, it was t-shirts that I remembered from people that I looked up to when I was a little kid, like the older dudes in school or whatever, would have some crazy Aerosmith t-shirt with like boobs and dudes smoking weed on them and crazy shit. And I would kind of be like, wow, you can do that on the shirt, that's crazy. Without t-shirts, I wouldn't have started the brand in the first place. It's accessible, everyone can do it. But that's also the hard bit about it, is because everyone's doing it. You have to have something that really has a point of difference, otherwise it's just going to get lost in the crowd. I'd like to think that a lot of our clientele are sort of educated on what's happening within graffiti arts, street art and hip-hop culture, that when they see a Roan shirt, they'll know, oh yeah, that's Roan. I see t-shirts as a quite a good outlet for artists to get their work out there. It's kind of, you can do a design and get it out on 50 or 100 people's chest is a great way to promote your work. If you've got an idea or a concept or a statement, you can get it out to the public and it's like they're walking around with billboards, you know, really good way to get a message to the people. Particularly in the 80s, you know, everything was so colourful. I mean, even though it's been redone now, it's still not like it was then. Everyone just wore colour. And we were just good at it. We were getting good at putting colours together on, on garments and prints. So. Then the rave kids took it up and they just went with it. So I'd like to see less on t-shirts. Less colours, one colour prints, stuff that means something to people, not just uh, another another brand trying to pretend to be gangsters. If you're gonna do a t-shirt label, the easiest thing is to actually make the t-shirts. After that, it's um, yeah down to marketing and trying to get it out there, which can be difficult. Yeah, guerrilla marketing is very important because you're doing it and you're making the effort yourself and you're going out there and you know exactly where your posters are, your stickers are. There's no rules for the industry here and hence the creativity is public. You know, make a bit of fun. Don't don't be don't be a follower. And if and if you want to differentiate yourself, in my opinion, like you know, when I'm trying to do a lot of my stuff, is think about what actually is gonna arc people up a bit. Ooh, what makes good t-shirts on? That's a hard question. A good t-shirt design is dictated by the quality of the print. Uh, what the actual print is, so we've sold a lot of graph-related types of prints here at Obese, but that isn't to say that prints with a strong, you know, more fashion kind of design orientation behind it haven't sold. Graphic designers, can, it can be a really nice design on the computer, but it's not going to translate well onto a t-shirt if it's too heavy. Look, screen printing has a bit more of a love to it. Um, you know, there's, there's something about it that, you know, there's some time taken. It's the same thing with a piece of art. A lot of trade secrets in screen printing. People don't really like uh, revealing all the tricks of the trade. It's just perfecting it. You've just got to practice and practice. The boys mess around with, with inks all the time just to try and get the best result. It's just a case of trial and error most of the time. And then you get it right and it looks amazing and that's where you're from. Nearly everything was just hand drawn or you know, it had to be had to be drawn. Uh, some of the stuff I've murdered you it's just amazing when you look at it. You, you just swear it was created by computer, but you just you can do it all by hand. Authenticity plays 
like I feel like a major role in a brand getting out there. For someone to come in with a brand outside of the culture, people don't really give it that kind of weight and respect as instantly as brands like Blank and Burn Crew. The burn started out of a frustration of, I suppose, you know, not, not being able to design exactly what I wanted or who I wanted. And I think that, you know, kids are willing to pay a little bit extra just to have the experience of going into these stores because now it's just like you don't just walk into a shop. It has to be an experience, you know. I say open up a t-shirt and have some fun with all the folded teeth and they say, oh, I don't want to make more work for you. It's like walking into a cafe and not wanting to order because you don't want them to have to wash the dishes. We're paid to do this and we love doing what we do. This is my suit. I think it's really important to support local. Uh, I've certainly grown up wearing Renegade, Burn Crew, Blank, Psych, certainly Swipe. I love what Pam was doing. I was a fan of Wankus. And I love the new generation of labels coming through, especially those that are interested in art like Collective Edition and Grand Scheme. I was out in the city with some friends and there was a bunch of these dudes, you know, they were looking at us and they just didn't, I guess they didn't like But they uh, came over and he was like, what are you looking at? And I was like, I was looking at your shirt, I designed it. And he's like, bullshit. And I was like, that's my handwriting right there. Everything you're wearing, I thought of. And he's like, hey, he called his friend and he's like, this guy made my shirt. I'm not a fighter, but I'm sure that it would be quite amazing to get, get punched by a dude wearing a shirt that he paid for before he went back in my pocket and kind of be there perfect circle of life. Get your hopes up, you know, because this shit's going to blow your mind. <laughs>